Hey friends, welcome back to my house and to the final Sunday of our worship series called Unshallow. We're grateful that you're here and grateful that we get to spend this time together. Hope you've been learning a lot and growing a lot in how you understand uh, vulnerability and intimacy in your relationships with each other and with God. Hey, will you join me in a word of prayer as we begin our time together? Holy and gracious God, thank you for the gift of your love and the life we find in Christ. Uh, we're grateful that Jesus gave us a powerful example of how to live life vulnerably and transparently. And God, we're also grateful for these stories in Genesis of Adam and Eve and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and now today Joseph that have set a great course for us to better understand how we can live vulnerably. So God, may your spirit be with us and may we honor you with our lives and may we share your love in the most vulnerable of ways in the ways we connect with others. Thanks for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey friends, just like I've been doing every week, I wanna remind you that we were created to be vulnerable. Remember several weeks ago when we started this, we claimed this from Genesis chapter two, verse 25, that the, the man and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed. And it just reminds us that that's the way God created us. God intended for this to be. And so we've been trying to remind ourselves of that week in and week out so that we can remember, man, this is not anything unusual or out of the ordinary. This is what God wants. And remember as well, we talked over the last couple of weeks about the ways we develop intimacy because that leads to vulnerability. And then of course, last week, we talked a lot about how to destroy intimacy. And certainly my hope for you and for all of us is we're developing it much more then we are destroying it. Today, I wanna to talk about sort of the ultimate goal of discovering vulnerability and the ways we can do that in our lives because it will make such a difference in how we relate and how we feel uh, God's power in our lives and how we understand God's love in our lives. And I've been being reminded of this by my grandson, Zaya. Some of you may know he's five years old. He is the joy of our lives. He is an independent little cuss, right? He wants to do everything his own way and by himself. But every once in a while, he will say to me, Papa, will you help me? Will you help me do this or make this or whatever? And that's my great delight, right? Because I'm just waiting on the side, waiting for him to ask. Because you know, both parents and grandparents kind of want to do everything for their kids. But in that moment when Zaya says, Papa, will you help me? He is instantly being vulnerable. He doesn't know that. He doesn't get that. But in that moment, he's being vulnerable with me. He's acknowledging, hey, I can't do this. I don't understand this. This isn't working and I need help. And in that moment, he's actually stepping into those great gifts that Dr. Brene Brown gave us that vulnerability uh, brings for us courage and compassion uh, and connection, right? And, and Zaya's courage is simply saying, I need help. It's taking that step to acknowledge that I need something from you, right? His compassion, he likewise doesn't really know, but he's got compassion for his papa because his papa always wants to help. His papa always wants to be there, right? And so he's got a little bit of compassion, even though it's unconscious for him. And then finally, of course, he's just looking for a connection, right? He knows that if I'm helping or we're doing something together, we are being connected and it's a great help. And so even in simple ways, friends, I wanna encourage and challenge you to recognize vulnerability does not have to be all about sharing your dirty laundry and everything you've ever done wrong or everything you've ever made a mistake about. For some of us, that might be helpful, but it doesn't mean all of us have to do that. Sometimes vulnerability can be as simple as saying, I could use a little help. 
Would you help me? I also remember early in my marriage with Kay, we were in marriage counseling, and the counselor left us with this tidbit of wisdom that has helped us tremendously over the years. We don't do this 100% of the time, but when we do, and it, it is hugely helpful for who we are. The wisdom that that counselor gave us was two things, he said. Always ask for what you want and say how you feel. That seems simple, right? Ask for what you want, say how you feel. Well, part of what happens in our own lives is we stop asking for what we want because we got turned down several times, or we feel ashamed that we're even asking for that thing, or it feels awkward for us to say, hey, would you snuggle with me, or would you spend time with me, or would you be there for me, right? We, we stop asking because either we got turned down or somebody didn't want to do it. But the vulnerability of simply expressing what we want, that takes courage. And it certainly desires connection, right? And the other is certainly equally true. If I tell you how I feel, man, it makes me sad when you do that. Or man, that really ticks me off when you do those kinds of things, right? When I share my feelings, it's ultimately vulnerable. And sometimes we're afraid of that as well. Can you see why? It takes courage to demonstrate vulnerability. But when we do, man, it always brings hope and life and abundance. And that's what we've been learning from these stories in the book of Genesis. And I want to share with you one of the last stories in the book of Genesis. It's one of my favorites there, but it's fascinating that it's kind of the least known of all of the folks out of uh, Abraham's lineage. It's about Joseph, his great-grandson. It's um, the, the story of Joseph takes up literally 20% of the book of Genesis. So it's pretty, con uh, it's uh, large chunks, but we don't know much about him. It starts in chapter 37 and goes almost to the very end of the book of Genesis. And in this story of Joseph, we learn that he's a dreamer. He has all kinds of dreams and he starts to share those dreams with his brothers and of course, his brothers don't care for it. They don't like it at all because he's telling them basically that he's going to be uh, powerful over them. And as the youngest son, they don't want to hear that. So his brothers sell him off into slavery. They lie to their dad and tell him that he's died. And, and it creates a whole bunch of turmoil in the family. They've sold him into slavery in Egypt. And over time, this dreamer named Joseph begins to interpret the Pharaoh's dreams. And as he interprets the Pharaoh's dreams, the Pharaoh becomes enamored by him and puts him in power because his dreams helped the Pharaoh to know there was going to be a famine and we needed to prepare for that famine. So Joseph does that and they get ready. What everyone doesn't realize is there's not just a famine in Egypt. There's a famine in Israel and the homeland. And so Joseph's brothers are impacted. His family are impacted as well. And as the story goes, uh, the, the sons come to Egypt not knowing Joseph is in charge of everything. And when they encounter Joseph, they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. And as the story goes, we begin to see that Joseph is very invulnerable to his brothers. He knows who they are, and he won't let them discover who he is. In fact, there are several instances where Joseph is so impacted by realizing that these are his brothers and that he has the opportunity to help. He's at the verge of tears. And in chapter 42, for instance, it says Joseph left them, meaning his brothers. He left the room and he cried. 
And after a short time, he went back and spoke to them. And then ultimately he takes his young, his other, one of his other brothers, Simeon, and he holds him as captive as he tricks his brothers into believing that if they'll go back and get Benjamin, the youngest child, and bring them, that they'll have a swap and that he'll provide for them. But there's another occurrence in chapter 43 where uh, Joseph is encountering his brothers again, and he just says his feelings for his brothers were so strong, he was about to weep. So he rushed to another room and he wept there. He did not want them to know how he was feeling, how he understood their relationship. He was going to cut off all understanding of his feelings, put up a great big barrier, and be completely invulnerable. But what he wants to do is help his brothers. What he wants to do is find connection with his brothers. What he wants to do is reconcile everything and make it good. But he does not know how. So here's what he develops. He develops a plan, much like his father did with his father. He develops a plan that says, hey, if you'll go get that youngest brother, he knew him to be Benjamin, but he pretended he didn't know them. Go get him, bring him back. He also knew that his father Jacob would not want to do that. And if you do that, Joseph says, I will help you. Well, the brothers do it. Isaac is very, I'm sorry, Jacob is very concerned about it. He doesn't really want to do it. And it's at this point that we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 44. And the brothers have come back. They've tried their level best to work out the whole plan that Joseph set, but they're scared to death and they want Joseph to know it. So here's how the story goes. Then Judah, who is one of Joseph's brothers, Judah went to Joseph and said, Master, please let me speak plainly to you. Remember, the brothers still don't know who Joseph is. He knows them. They do not know him. And please don't be angry with me, he said. I know that you are as powerful as the king of Egypt himself. When we were here before, you asked us, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered you. We have an older father and we have a younger brother who was born when our father was old. This younger son's brother is dead. So he is the only one of the mother's children left alive and our father loves him very much. Now the dead brother is Joseph. Then you said to us, bring that brother to me. I want to see him. And we said to you, that young boy cannot leave his father because he leaves him, his father would die. But you said to us, if you don't bring your youngest brother, you will not be allowed to see me again. So we went back to our father, told him what you had said. Later, our father said, go again and buy us a little more food. And we said to our father, we cannot go without our youngest brother. Without our youngest brother, we will not be allowed to see the governor. And then our father said to us, you know that my wife Rachel gave me two sons. When one son left me, I thought, surely he has been torn apart by a wild animal, and I haven't seen him since. Now you want to take this son away from me also? But something terrible might happen to him, and I would be miserable until the day I die. Now what will happen if we go to our father without your young, our youngest brother? He is so important in our father's life that when our father sees the young boy is not with us, he will die. And it will be our fault. We will cause the great sorrow that kills our father. I gave my father a guarantee that the young boy would be safe. I said to my father, if I don't bring him back to you, you can blame me all my life. So now, please allow me to stay here and be your slave and let the young boy go back home with his brothers. I cannot go back to my father 
If the boy is not with me, I couldn't stand to see my father that sad. And that's a tough story, isn't it? Joseph has tricked his brothers into this whole thing, knowing good and well it was going to be a hard sell and didn't know if it would actually happen. But the brothers were willing to be vulnerable with Joseph, who they yet to know. They're willing to express all of their grief, all of their sorrow, all of their fear, all of the pain that is potential for their father, Jacob. They're willing to lay that all out on the line so that Joseph could hear it. And then Judah's willing to say, I'll be a slave in place of my brother, Benjamin. That's a pretty powerful source of vulnerability to lay out all of those feelings before what seems to be a complete stranger. Well, friends, it's that vulnerability that Judah and the other brothers offer to Joseph that changes his heart. In that moment, Joseph sees how much he wants his brothers, how much he wants to help them, and how much he cares for who they are. And so he sends all of his uh, caretakers out, he sends all of his slaves out, and he's there alone with his brothers. And in chapter 45, we hear this relationship with his brothers. Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they moved closer. He said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves that you sold me here. Actually, God sent me before you to save lives. You and my brother Benjamin have seen with your own eyes that I'm speaking to you. Tell my father about my power in Egypt and about everything you've seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. He threw his arms around his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulders. Man, that's a powerful scene, isn't it? In the moment that the brothers determined they were going to be vulnerable, just kind of lay it out there, Joseph was empowered to become vulnerable with them as well. You can well imagine that for a time, how, how long we don't know, but how upset Joseph was with his brothers for selling him into slavery. You can well imagine all kinds of scenarios going on in his own head about how he could get back at his brothers, how he could scheme against his brothers, what he could do to cause harm to them. But ultimately, because his brothers were willing to be vulnerable, to share from the depths of their heart about how hard life had become, Joseph is determined now to not only reveal himself, but to ultimately provide all the food his brothers could ever need. Read chapters 45 and 46. It's, it's a huge amount of food supplies and sources that uh, Joseph provides for his brothers. He gets reconnected with his father. He's reconciled with his brothers, and I maintain it's all because his brothers were willing to be vulnerable with him because they had the courage, the compassion, and the desire for connection. And so they just laid it out there. And because of that, they found healing and wholeness and life abundant. And the remainder of the book of Genesis would share with us that great joy that the family came together, that they uh, reconciled, and that all ended well. What a powerful gift. It's interesting to me because the brothers, all of them now, right, are demonstrating vulnerability, and in so doing, they help us to see the power of it and the gift of vulnerability. 
You know, researchers like Dr. Brene Brown and others have determined from all of their research that vulnerability brings some powerful gifts for us. I want to share some of them because when you hear them, you're going to think to yourself, man, I want that. And when you want that, hopefully it will motivate you to become more vulnerable in your relationships as well. So here's what the researchers tell us, and we witness this in Joseph and his brother's behavior. The first thing uh, researchers say that vulnerability brings is that people who are vulnerable, they are more thoughtful and empathetic towards strangers. You know what happens when that is real? Man, relationships get built, right? When I'm more empathetic and thoughtful about people I don't even know, there are possibilities for peace and wholeness in community, right? Another thing researchers tell us is that people who are vulnerable have a stronger sense of personal value. Well, who wouldn't want that, right? I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good about who I am and what I do. And so if I'm vulnerable, I have a better sense of my own personal value. Another thing that those who are vulnerable gain is they, they literally uh, develop deeper connection with other people. I mean, that's a natural outcome, right? If I'm vulnerable with you and you're vulnerable with me, I'm going to have a deeper connection with you. And that connection can make our relationship more rich. Here's my favorite. Listen to this. Uh, people who are vulnerable make less self-interested decisions. Wouldn't this world be a much better place if that were the case, that we made less self-interested decisions? Friends, I maintain the world we're existing in now, the culture of our country, the, the way things are happening in the world. If we could make less self-interested decisions, the world would be so much better off. We might actually get closer to building God's kingdom like Jesus desired. And it all starts with vulnerability. Ultimately, of course, the researchers found that those who are vulnerable create community. And isn't that what we're all yearning for? We want to belong. We yearn to belong to others and to uh, things that are greater than ourselves. And vulnerability helps lead us there, friends. This is the powerful gift of vulnerability. And we saw that in Joseph and his brothers. So the gift of vulnerability is that it helps us discover God's original design. It helps us to recognize God's power in our own lives. And the Genesis text at the very beginning, Genesis 2, reminds us of that. They were naked and they were not ashamed. But even the Apostle Paul helps us to see this gift of vulnerability as well. When he writes to the church at Corinth, his second letter uh, in the 12th chapter, he gives a powerful demonstration of vulnerability. He doesn't even use the word, but listen to how he describes it. He says, each time he said, meaning Jesus, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, this is Paul, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. See, this is the gift of vulnerability. The gift of vulnerability claims for us a powerful opportunity to know that I can be quote unquote weak because I can rely on the strength of Christ. I can rely on the courage that it takes to step forward. This is a part of the gift of vulnerability. So I'm gonna issue you a challenge. For those of us who may feel strong in and of our own capability, for those of us who, like myself, are in a privileged status, 
or maybe you just struggle with vulnerability and you don't really understand it, here's the challenge I want to issue to you over the next 30 days. I want for you to do a couple of things for me. I want for you to listen more than you speak. I want for you to learn more than you teach. I want for you to receive more than you give. And in this case, what I mean is receive input, receive feedback, receive connection with other people. I want for you to actualize the courage that it takes to be a humble person because humility is at the core of vulnerability. I cannot be vulnerable unless I first have the character and the courage enough to own. I need you. I want you. And the only way we're going to have a deep-seated connection or relationship is if I'm vulnerable with you. And friends, I'm convinced if we'll listen more, learn more, receive more, we will receive the joy of God's desire, the desire of the original creation, the desire of God's want for us to be in deep-seated relationship with each other and with God. But it's only going to come through vulnerability. Because here's the deal, friends, and I love this good news. We were created to be naked, vulnerable, right? And then we ate of that fruit, and man, we kind of destroyed it. It was all a choice, and that choice caused us to start covering up again, to be invulnerable. And the garden story tells us this. At the very end of Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, where we were naked and weren't ashamed until we realized it, right? At the very end, after we ate from that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of the difference of good and evil, and we became aware of our vulnerability, at the very end it says this, this is God speaking. What if he, meaning Adam, what if he now should reach out and take from the fruit of the tree of life and eat and live forever? Never. This can't happen. So God expelled them from the Garden of Eden. And that became our despair, and that became the dilemma, because now that we not only knew we were vulnerable, we were going to start covering up, and we were going to create problems, and we were going to push others away, and we created the dilemma of isolation and loneliness and despair. But all we need is the vulnerability that Christ demonstrated on the cross, that He offered to everybody He ever encountered, and certainly that he brought back to life as he walked out of that tomb and gave new life. That's God's ultimate desire. And here's the beauty of all of that. We got banned from the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. But John, when he wrote the Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, when he describes for us what the new Jerusalem will look like, the heavenly kingdom, the relationship that God desires from us, in the very end of that book, John tells us that the tree of life is available again. And here's how he describes it. Chapter 22. On each side of the river, meaning the river of life, on each side of the river of life is the tree of life, which produces 12 crops of fruit, bearing its fruit each month, the tree's leaves are for the healing of the nations. Friends, that's what God wants for us. Healing, wholeness, fullness of life. And I am convinced, and the Genesis stories have told us over these last many weeks, that it comes from true and genuine vulnerability. So here's my invitation, friends. Let's get naked and let's take of the fruit of the tree of life. 
And when we do, life will be full, life will be glorious, and life will be full of the yearning that we have to become a part of God's great uh, desire and God's great plan for you and for the world. Thanks be to God that we can be vulnerable and share in the richness of God. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you. Thank you that you love us enough to become vulnerable in sending your child, Jesus. Thank you, God, that we've had these amazing stories from Genesis in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph that remind us that we can be vulnerable, that it is possible, and that it has great reward in richness and fullness of life, in joy and in abundance. God, help us to overcome our fears and to take that courage and compassion that helps connect us with you and with others through true vulnerability. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen. Hey friends, I just can't thank you enough for the powerful and wonderful ways that you are so generous every single week. Your generosity changes lives. It helps children, youth, adults, it helps transform hearts. It helps lead people to Jesus. Thank you for making that possible. If you'd like to do that right now, be sure to scan the QR code that's on your screen. Just take your phone, scan that QR code. It'll give you the capacity to make a donation right now. Or you can text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. But whatever you give, we're always grateful. Thanks for what you're doing.